Come on, let's quickly stay standing and let's pray. Let's ask God to prepare us for His Word. God, we thank You that You plant Your Word in our hearts and the, our hearts um, that's the soil, God. So will you prepare the soil right now? If there's anything that's in our hearts that's really just um, become hard, maybe it's things that have made us stressed out, things that have brought anxiety, um, it's just hardened our hearts. Will you soften that area right now so that your Word can be planted deep in it, God? Uh, God, we submit to you. We want to do your will. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. Pray to protect around us and our children. Pray in this hedge of protection that you'd minister to us. Bring freedom into our life and heal us in Jesus' name. I pray for anyone who's without hope, they're not in a relationship with you, that you would draw people unto yourself now and knock on the door of their heart so they can open up that door and receive you as their Saviour. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone believed it's it? Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. Good evening to all of you and especially our first time guests. Of course, our heart is for you to get connected. Uh, we want you to truly know God um, and we pray for that. I, I consistently pray that throughout the week that people truly have an encounter with God. Also pray that people find friends, their destiny, um, and God grows His kingdom relationally. So God's wanting you to find friends. And then, of course, we also pray that you live out your purpose. The happiest people have got great friends and they have got great purpose. So that's our desire for you. Uh, we are going to be celebrating water baptisms at the end of the service. Uh, so I encourage you to celebrate with the people who are getting water baptized. We've seen people baptized across the day. So it's been an incredible day in the house. And if you are here and, and you need to take that step and maybe you haven't come ready, we have got tops and shorts and towels for you. So we'll be doing that at the end of the service. And of course, the water is way warmer. When I got water baptized, they broke ice and um, there was a polar bear that swam past. It was crazy. And I saw on the door from the Titanic, there was enough space for Leonardo DiCaprio. All those things happened. But I encourage you um, that you it's not going to be as cold. It's going to be warm water and we can celebrate with you. So we've been doing a series, uh, Build to Last. And what we've been saying is that you need to build on a rock. And sometimes building on a rock can be hard, uh, but the peace that comes into your life is phenomenal because if you build on a rock, if a storm comes, what you build will stand. Uh, but if you build on sand, you can shape sand and you can build an awesome sandcastle. But we all know when a storm comes, that sandcastle or whatever you've built with sand will fall over and there'll be no peace in your life. So, so the thought is this, you can shape sand, but rock shapes you. And sometimes you can feel it's a, a, a principle you have to apply and it can feel a bit tough. But the blessing is you're building on the rock. And for us, we want to build on Jesus. And the way you build on the rock is you build with Christ's principles. And that's how you build a solid life. And, and we've been looking at your identity. Uh, next week, we, we're going to look at, I think it's family then um, and then parenting. And so you are a young person. You're going, well, what's that? got to do with me. Well, we want to, of course, equip you to get ready to, to build your, your marriage, um, to actually grow in a healthy way so that you can meet your partner and be ready for your marriage. Uh, but also, as one day you are all in Jesus' name going to have triplets and everyone believes it. Amen. Yeah. You know that I do that. Listen here. There's in Jesus' name. No, no. You know what? I'll do that. When I do different weddings, the funniest thing is different cultures respond differently. And um, I won't tell you who, but if I do it at a certain wedding and I say that, the whole crowd goes, 
you know, and I said, don't worry, I didn't say amen, so it's not going to happen. Anyway, like, you know what I mean? Like, but, but, um, but, but really lean into this series. Uh, today, I want to talk about a value in our church. And the value is that generosity is our privilege. Generosity is our privilege. The reason this is such an important principle to build with is because 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, and I'm going to have the scripture up, I mentioned in the morning, but it says this, um, that this will be the mark of the end times, the terrible last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And of course, Scripture says have nothing to do with such people. But the key thing is it says the end times people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. So clearly in the end times, generosity will not be a principle that people apply. Of course, if you want to break out of selfishness, if you want to break out of materialism and stay strong, even in the end times, generosity is going to be key. Uh, it's like you're living this life with a closed fist and, and this world saying you need to get what you can because you might never have enough and bad times might be coming. So you better look out for numero uno. And the way to overcome that spirit is, of course, trusting in God and being generous just like God was when He sent His one and only Son and generosity is really at living an open-handed life. And, and the best way to worship God is with your hands open. And because not only are we declaring that He's all-powerful, but, but God, we also live and understand that God has blessed us to be a blessing. But when your hand's closed, God can't put into your hand. And of course, clearly, He can't use you to bless others. So, so that's one of the key ways for us to break out of what's going to happen in the end times. So we do believe at our church that generosity um, is our privilege, and we believe this wholeheartedly. Um, and because uh, we've been changed by God's love for us, God showed us how much He loved us, and and Jesus comes to the earth and dies for us. So our foundation for generosity is solid as a rock. It's found in Jesus. Jesus is our example. He gave His entire life. Um, he lived 33 years on earth. He fulfilled His mission. He dies on the cross. He pays the price for our sin. God raises Him from the grave. And He's now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He's continuously, it's like we are the apple of His eye. He, he's thinking of us and, and we see this example. And we also had the, He invites us to to. Be like Him, to, to not live close-fisted, self-focused, selfish lives, lovers of ourselves, lovers of money, but we can live outward-looking lives. Why? Because He already sorted us out. He paid the price for us and we've received all we need in Christ. So really, we've got, we've got so much to give. We've got everything to give now. We can live totally differently. Um, Jesus, of course, was extravagant in His love. God was extravagant in sending His Son. 
Leanne and I did this message together this morning. So, so we wrote this together. And, and my wife's a bit of an English nerd. And if she's a, she's a medical doctor, but uh, before she decided to do medicine, she actually wanted to be a writer. She thought she'd be the next Wilbur Smith. The only downside with that is when we were dating, if I wrote her anything, she'd pretty much mark it. So, so, so that was the end of writing her any letters or anything. But but she asked the question this morning is, um, what's the subject of the Bible? Everyone who is there this morning knows the answer and you're being good Christians for not answering right now to make it hard for everyone. But the subject is God. God is the subject. What's, uh, and, and then what's the main verb, the, the doing word? We think it's love, but it's actually give. I'm sorry to... James is a biblical scholar, translated the Bible into another language, and he got it wrong. So don't worry. <laughs> John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So, so what we see is if you love, there's going to be an action. And, and you end up overflowing in generosity. And you, so you can't really say to somebody, I love you, but give nothing. And so we see that generosity, um, we see the generosity of God, we, we see the generosity of Jesus, and, and we also get to live generous. Of course, you can also get into a place where you're not generous, that you do become a lover of yourself. You do get caught up in the trap of the end times because you feel like nobody's looking out for you. You can totally forget that God was always looking out for you before the foundation of the earth, Christ was slain, before the problem, the solution. And you can live in a very obligated place. You can go, I better go to church. I have to go. I better give and I, I better serve. It's just the right thing to do. And I grew up in an obligated environment. A lot of you guys would know I went to a church that, that I didn't want to go to. The only prayer I prayed was, please God, let my parents forget that I'm here in my bed and let them let me sleep on Sunday. Because I didn't want to go to church. We had to put our suit on. Before you're 16, you had to just wear your suit and your shirt. The, once you were 16, you can get your jacket, you get confirmed. And, and I didn't want to go because they made me do Sunday school after church. And we all knew that the adults had more sin than the kids. Why were we doing double church? They could have made them do double church and us go home early. But anyway, I went there. But you know what? Even in the obligation, I learned some things that become my greatest opportunity. You know, the more I look back, even the foundation my parents set for me was such a blessing. They prayed for me. They showed their commitment. They were in the house. And one of the things I never forget is my dad putting his tithe in an envelope. I actually used to see him take his tithe. That's just how he used to put it in a box in the front. So when I got to this church and I got saved and I heard about tithes and offerings, I was like, you yeah, know, I'm going to do that. Well, how? Because I saw my, my dad do it. <laughs> Side note, parents, the easiest way to teach your child to honour God is for you to honour God in front of them. If they have to learn how to honour God later through somebody else, they normally will find it harder. And so even in the obligation that I thought, you know, I had to go, I actually had so much opportunity and I learned so much. So I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that even though a 
It felt a bit hard. There were so many good things that came out of it. Leanne's told you guys a story that she learned to play the piano. She, she didn't like it in the front end of primary school. But in high school, she felt obligated in primary school. In high school was the biggest blessing. She joined the worship team. She played youth camps and she totally loved it. And she thought, I'm so glad I pushed through. You know, it's, it's hard, but there was so much blessing. And sometimes that, that's how it is with some principles. Once you see, you know it's good. There's so much more to it. It might be hard in the front end, but there is so much opportunity. So I encourage you not to miss out. And once you see the generosity of God and you get healthy and you, you see the principles are healthy, you'll start to just see opportunity and you won't see obligation anymore. I think people who see the generosity of God and actually become generous, they just see opportunity everywhere. They can't help it. They see opportunity there. They see opportunity there. They see opportunity there. And, and that's the spirit that we want to stir up in the church. Come on, how hard was COVID? You mean they changed our schedule? We had to sit at home. I remember even climbing on the roof of my house. You know what I mean? Just looking out. You know, what I mean? like, when are we going to get out of here? It was it was crazy. You might be able to go to the shop, or uh, but but really, it was tough, and we never knew when we'd get out of it. Next, thing you know, they let us run for an hour or two outside, and or you couldn't run in a group, and and then the guys were fighting. Some guys had masks, somebody else did, and then they run past you. They're like, put your mask on, bro. Like you know, as a fighting, they were pretty fit to to speak and run at the same time. Anyway, but because um, that is a sign of fitness but um, anyway getting sidetracked but but we would have seen seen it as a massive robbing come on didn't you didn't you see it like like so much was taken from us but you, you know on team or what we did in our zoom we kept going there's opportunity there's opportunity the, the laws might have changed but the law of God hasn't changed whatever you sow you'll reap there's opportunity there's opportunity and then they told us you know in the future when you come out there'll be limited gatherings maybe 50 sort of dreaming oh this is this could be the perfect time to plant locations because previously if there were 50 people in church you'd be pretty sad but now we would be celebrating <laughs> these 50 people this is the time to plant churches and people who see the generosity of God always see opportunity everywhere they go. I don't, know, I don't know if you see it like that, but if you see the generosity of God and you catch that not only was He generous to you, that you're also called to be generous, you'll start to live in that space that the generous live in. The generous understand it's better to give than to, come on, have you ever done that? Have you ever bought a gift for somebody you love and you can't wait to give it? Anyone? Listen, um, my wife ended up, uh, when, when we were dating, she bought me this jersey and she came to the flat I was in and, and myself and my flatmate were watching some sports and she actually went into my room, put it in the cupboard and then um, at the, uh, once she went home, she messaged me, said, hey, go look in your cupboard. And I opened it. I loved the jersey, but, but for her, it was even a bit, she was so chuffed to give it to me. She knew I liked it. And, and you know, it was this guest jersey. I really thought it was trendy then. If I wore it now, I'm sure it'd be untrendy. But anyway, like, like um, but, but, but it, she was blessed. 
once you see God's generosity, you, you actually start to devise generous things. The Scripture says the generous devise generous things. And on generosity, they stand. You know, you know we, we were going, my daughter was doing trials. And at the trials, I'd watch girls and I'd go, that girl's so talented. And I'd look at their shoes. The shoes weren't great. My first thought was, imagine we bought her a pair of shoes. She's so gifted. And then I don't know, I jump in the car. I said, did you see that girl? She was playing this position. Yeah. And the end go, yeah, do you see her shoes? I said, I was thinking we should buy shoes. I was thinking the same thing. Awesome, let's buy shoes. Then we ran into about three different girls who were really talented and they didn't have netball shoes. And it was so cool. Right throughout the trials and at the tournament, we just brought shoes. But, but somebody might have thought, oh, check this, these couples out. We didn't, do, we didn't do it publicly. We just like got it, gave it to the, the coach or the manager. And we, we just did it. But some people might have thought that we had an agenda behind it. But the crazy thing is we thought of it in the car way before anyone else. even knew. It was just, we saw it. We said, wow, imagine sowing that into that girl's life. That's what generous people do. They devise generous things. And by generosity, they stand. They rise above the rest. You know, you could be living in the midst of jealousy, of selfishness, of being a lover of yourself, and, but you can rise up above the rest by ge- your generosity. By generosity, you will stand. You know, so many people are falling in a selfish world, but they're generous. It's like they're rising above the rest. There might be an erosion around you of the soil, but the rock stays. And, and maybe it's just because you keep staying in a solid place and everyone else is falling away. But that's what happens to the generous. They just keep standing. They stay strong. And you and I need to be people who get generosity, understand it, and live by it. Generous people devise generous things. I remember... Um, Walking home, I mentioned the story. I was at the back. Paul Mancola said to me, you're not doing everything you should be doing. He was my youth and young adult pastor then. I went home and the next morning I, I, I had a quiet time and I felt God said, give a year to, to serve. And I was the first year to serve at 23 years ago. And um, I remember, I knew it and I spoke to Paul and he was like, I think I was thinking the same thing. And, and then I really, I, I got my finance in order and I, I, I already decided this is a no, I'm going to do this with no strings attached. Whatever they ask me to do, I'll do it. And I didn't know what they were going to ask me to do, but I already knew whatever. And I got there and they said, oh, we don't have an office for you. I said, I'll make an office. I used to put one together, you know, every day in a corner. I, and I just, I just did it. I remember um, they, um, I used to just come up with stuff. I could do, uh, go to the high school and walk teenagers home and connect with them. And, and the guys used to walk home and, and just, just connect with people, do whatever um, it would take. I, I remember um, I would eat at home and then go out with friends because they want to go to the restaurants. And then I would just at the restaurant, of course, I have already eaten. I'd order water. I could see the waiter or waitress's face just drop. Like, you're going to have water. Like, you know, like, but I had like 10 rand in my pocket and I was going to give them a tip because I wasn't going to go there, waste their time. And then I got give them a tip. So at the end of it, when I ordered water and gave a tip, they were pretty chuffed. But, but it totally changed my life. Um, it actually was the best year I ever had. Um, a, a year where I just said, I'm going to just be generous. I'm going to find a way to overflow. I, like you've never lived if you haven't lived a life where you give with no strings attached. I promise you, you've never lived. 
You've never lived until uh, you start to live devising generous things, seeing people who you can bless and, and give to. It will blow your mind. It will, uh, it will change your life. And so I remember um, uh, my, uh, my now brother-in-law was in a group of young guys and, and, and we started a youth and we started small and we grew and then we, we decided to do a service next door for teens. And, and I wanted them to experience what I've experienced. So I actually, I had this plan. I'd set the place up. I put the lights up. I put the screen. We had a projector screen in the front end. How crazy was that? And then we went to like a, a little projector. But, but not a projector. What was those those Overhead projector. We had an overhead projector. That's how old school. We had an overhead projector at youth, you know, where you could see the, the, the hey? So uh, Crystal uses one. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, anyway. That's how old school is. But anyway, but, um, but we had an overhead projector. You might not even know what that is. That's like old school church. Anyway, <clears throat> and then we'd set it up and I'd pray and I'd set the chairs up. And then, um, and I had the mo- most powerful times of God in those moments because I'd hear from God. And then at the end, we'd, uh, we'd do youth and we'd have to sit down. And I'd go to those group of guys, hey, do you guys want to help me sit down? And normally I'd catch them. They're like, uh, we just, uh, I say, okay, don't stress. I'm going to quickly sit down. <laughs> I go sit down and then I'd go back, but I knew exactly what I wanted them to catch. And I'd go back to them next week. I say, you want to help me sit down? And they would normally be like court of God. And I said, no, and I'd sit down. And then I went back and I asked them. And th- then um, they said, we know what you're going to say. You're going to ask to sit down. Then you're going to go do it yourself. I said, oh, did, did you think I needed you to sit down? They said, yeah. I said, I don't need you to sit down. I'm inviting you to experience what I'm experiencing. Because if I don't invite you to start living generously, I feel like I'm doing you a massive disservice. Because since I've done this, I've never experienced God's presence. I've never experienced life like this. So I'm actually inviting you to really start to make a difference and live. Because I actually don't need your help. Because since I've been doing this, I've experienced God's presence. So I'll do this all my life. I just want to serve. And that's the thing. People who understand God's generosity and start to live generous, they really start to live the life I believe they've always wanted to live. The amazing thing is generous people are also flexible. They, they actually are not fragile. And flexibility is key. You need to stay flexible, especially when you get older and you're walking across the road and the car comes speeding. If you're not flexible, it's the end. You need to run out the car of that car. And flexibility is key. You need to stay flexible all your life. How much more spiritually? Because you might be flexible physically, but if your heart is hard and you're bitter and upset, just that's going to crush you even more. That will take life out of your bones. You and I need to see that Jesus gave us everything and we don't own, nobody owns, owes us anything. Jesus has paid the price for our sin. We are blessed. We are not victims. We are blessed and we are blessed to be a blessing. You and I are called to be generous and we need to be building on that. Why is this so important? Well, it's so important because the first role for mankind, and we do this in our financial freedom series, we teach us the, the first thing you and I were given, the, the role we were given is stewardship. You and I were called, and Adam and Eve were given, take care of the animals and the land. Before sin, that was the first task 
that people were given. And I need to let you know that that hasn't changed. That's still the number one task God has for you. Role is stewardship. If you're going to be a good steward, the key way to do it is to find out what the owner wants. And everyone's actually a steward because Scripture says the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. Everything we have comes from God. Your time, your talent, and your treasure comes from God. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. And God wants you to actually be a steward of that. Um, so, so the best stewards, uh, and Ephesians 5 10 says, would find out what pleases the Lord. The best stewards would find out what pleases the owner. And we see that stewardship is important in, in the parable of the talents. Because the parable of the talents, the owner gives our talents and he comes back later to see what they've done with it. And two have brought increase and the one, hid, he's under a rock. He didn't lose it. And God says, you, you're wicked servant. And the other ones, he says, you're good, you're well done. And he gives them more. And we see, and it says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom is like. Sorry. So we see that the kingdom of God is connected to stewardship. Of course, you and I are supposed to steward our time, our talent, and our treasure. We're supposed to be stewards of it and we're supposed to be using it. And, and once you actually see that it all belongs to Him and that He's been so generous to you, you will see there's so much opportunity to make a difference for the King, the owner. See, the key way thing to find out about the owner is what's the most valuable thing to the owner? Well, the way you get to what's most valuable is to see what He paid the highest price for. We saw it right at the front end. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Why did He give His Son? What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to pay for our sin, for human beings. He paid with His blood. He paid the highest price for people. So he, we see God paid the highest price for people. People are what He values the most. So clearly, He gives us time, talent, and treasure. And He wants us to be stewards of it. And He wants us to use it to bring increase. To what? To His kingdom. How does His kingdom increase? More people come into a relationship with Him. So, oh God, I'm supposed to use my time, my talent, and my treasure to see Your kingdom advanced and your church built. Why? Well, it says God's coming back for His church. Studies show that the most people get saved on a Sunday. Why? Because people who don't go to church know that we meet on Sundays. It's still the number one day. I'm not saying limit it and don't make the most of your opportunity. I'm just saying, you, when we build this together, there's a kingdom momentum. Listen, when I was in marketing, I used to be, we were recording worship albums and, and I used to just come up with generous things. I would bring donuts to the office. I'd connect with people. Um, I wouldn't disconnect with them. Like, because guys, they were being themselves and I'm not there to like try to force, you know, my Christianity on them. But I knew that 
your gift makes room for you. Your generosity makes room. So I use my resources that God entrusted to me. I say it's mine because I know it's His, but I'm, I'm gonna take such good care of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take great care of it. I'm gonna take total ownership of it. I know it's His, so I'm gonna use it to further His kingdom. And then I used to also buy worship albums because I used to play some of the songs. People are like, what do you do this week? I record another album. Oh, let me hear it. I'd play some worship and then I'd buy better worship albums. I wouldn't make them, force them to listen to my stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so, and then I'd actually give it out. And you know what's crazy is so many people got saved in that office. Even had a Muslim lady, months later, she came to me and said, I gave my life to Jesus. But, but, but just a simple opportunity to be generous to people. And I realized that God, you're opening up the door. I can pray for people on my street, in the place I work at, that you are giving me opportunity everywhere. And I'm supposed to be a steward of this. The crazy thing is my influence in the workplace grew because I left that place when I was, I was just be, uh, before, well, yeah, just before I turned 22. And I'd have my boss come. It was so funny because they were doing some dodgy deals. Anyway, and they would like call me in. Hey, can I chat to you quickly? Yeah, yeah. Close it all. Um, you know, we were doing this. And like, what do you think God would think of that? They like they actually would. I'd say this here. I don't think God would be happy with that. Oh, okay. I'm just asking for a friend. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? Actually, it's just my friend's business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but the crazy thing was, I wasn't judgmental, but I, I, they actually trusted me to be honest with them. And, and, and God just opened up doors. But, but I stayed generous. There was opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. What keeps us from being stewards? Fear. Greed. Why? Because fear says to you, you're never going to have enough. You better hoard all you can. Greed says, you better get more for yourself. Then fear says in the back end of greed, bad times are coming. You better look out for numero uno because nobody's going to look out for you. Fear says that this economy and this government's going to take you out. But then God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll supply all you need. All that I need is supplied in Christ Jesus. God promises to be with us. He's faithful. So fear and greed's calling out to you. And God's calling out to you. And whoever you respond to is really what you have faith in. Without realizing it, you might have faith in the lie that fear tells you. Or you might have faith in what greed's saying. Or you have faith in what God's saying. And you start to use your resources to build His kingdom. See, God runs this incredible benevolence fund and He's looking for who He can trust to, to actually um, further His kingdom. And say, I give James money and I give Dieter money. And, and, and James is a diligent person with money and he, he uses it to further the kingdom and he even takes care of Dieter. Dieter loses his money um, and, and he doesn't know where it is and he looks, looks out for numero uno. If I have more money and I say, okay, I'm gonna send James and Dieter on a trip, who do you think I'm gonna give the money to next? James, because I know then Dieter will also be taken care of. <laughs> and God's looking out at all of us, who is going to be faithful for, with what He's given them to further His kingdom and to look out for others. But, but if you and I get caught up in the lie, guess what happens? You start to believe that, that money is your master and Matthew 6 verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters. You either will hate the one 
and love the other or else you'll be loyal to the one, despise the other. So we see that the only spiritual battle we see there is between God and money. So we realise that money is spiritual. You've got time, it's the most valuable thing you have. You can't get any more back. You've got talent, but money can pull you away. There's, there's over 200 verses in the Bible around faith. There's over 200 verses in the Bible around relationships. And there's 2,300 verses in the Bible that are dedicated to the topic of finances. Why? Because wherever your heart, treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say wherever your heart is, your treasure will be. Wherever your treasure is. So money has this pull on you. Money's not bad, but Scripture says the love of money is. Money that's surrendered to God has got the spirit of multiplication. It can be used to further the kingdom, but money that's not surrendered to God actually has the spirit of mammon on it. What's the spirit of mammon? It's the trust in riches. And when we trust in wealth, the lie of riches, we become lovers of ourselves, lovers of money. The spirit of mammon ends up resting on our finances. How do you break the spirit of mammon? You trust in God. How do you break the lie of fear? You trust in God. How do you break the spirit of greed? You trust in God. You say, God, you are good. You provided for all that I need. Never will you leave me nor forsake me. I honour you. I said last week that, that, that honour is the gravity in the Kingdom of God. It creates stability, especially how much more when you honour God, there's a, there's a stability. I, I mentioned to you guys, I had, by God's grace, I honoured my parents. I would go out, my friends would be doing weird stuff, drugs and whatever, and I wouldn't touch it. And my main thought was if my parents were here, they'd be so disappointed. It's like honour was like gravity to me. It kept me solid. How much more when I honour God is there a stability and a strength and a cement in my feet? By generosity, I stand. By honour, I stand. No matter, people might be falling alongside me, but I stand as I honour God. But as I honour God, even as I acknowledge that all comes from Him, I break the spirit of mammon. And how do you do it? Well, tithe the principle. You, you acknowledge that everything comes from Him and, and God actually commands us to honour Him with the tithe. People say, well, is that even oh, New Testament? Well, before the law, we see the first tithe. We see the tithe implemented in the law. And then Malachi 3 verse 10, God actually says, you've been robbing me. And they say, how have you been robbing me? He says, with the tithe. What do we see there? He says, the tithe is mine. What do we learn about the tithe? It's the principle of the first. It's not the last. It's not a tenth over there. It's the first tenth. God actually says, there's a portion of your finances that's mine and it's holy. And the reason I ask for it first, because it redeems the rest. It actually ends up redeeming the rest. And, and so, so then He says, if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. How do you rebuke that spirit of mammon? You can't do it. God says, I'll do it. That's why whenever I, I have months and things, I just stand up and say, God, I thank You that I'm in unity with You. You're rebuking the devourer. I'm doing it in Jesus' Name with You. Thank You so much for Your faithfulness. And it says He not only rebukes the devourer from Your finances, He says He rebukes the devourer from the vine. It's like He not only rebukes it from the, 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 the income, the increase, He rebukes it from the vine that's going to produce more. There's a blessing on my now and on my future. In Jesus' Name, He breaks the spirit of mammon. Of course, it's going to take faith. But here's the thing. God's not going to call you to do anything that doesn't require faith. Because the Bible says, faith pleases God. 
He's not going to call you something that doesn't require faith. Because here's the thing, you can't switch your faith off. And if you're not actually putting your faith in God, you will put your faith in the economy. You'll put your faith in money. You'll put your faith in your own schedule. You'll put your faith in your own plans. But many are man's plans and it leads to nothing. Some of man's plans even lead to death. But we put our faith in God who's provided everything, who owns everything, the cattle on the, uh, the, 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 cattle on the hills. He owns all. And we acknowledge that. We put our faith in Him. And we say, God, I'd rather have 90% blessed by You than 100% cursed with the spirit of mammon on it. I'm going to put You first. So practically, how do we do it? I want to encourage you. To start somewhere. We had a lady come to us years ago. She was a single mom. She had two boys in high school. And she said, I really want to tithe. She came to the end on the front. We said, well, do you have the faith to do 1%? She said, yes. I said, why don't you check? Because God says, test me in this. See if I'll not open up the windows of heaven. She says, my, my son, my other son's going to study. And, and I'm believing for to pay for their studies. And I'm trying to save. And I just can't do it. And we said to her, you know, people who don't tithe say they can never afford to tithe. I said, the crazy thing is people who do tithe say they can never afford not to tithe. I said, why don't you, I know that's your desire. So, so we, like we prayed, we released you, won't try 1%. And we said to her, why don't you try to grow? It might take 10 months or longer, but, but why don't you have the like, step? See what God does. Because God says, test me. She did it. The next month she could jump even further. Within the next three months, she got a full bursary for her, her son's studies. And she said, to her, look what God's done. And she was so excited. And you go, Andre, you're just trying, talk, trying to hype me up. No, I'm trying to tell you that God says, test me and see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven. And she had the windows of heaven open in life. And she was able to live a life where she honoured God. She was a single mom. And I want to invite you, listen We've been, we were um, at uh, AOG talking. They were saying, why don't you invite people to a 10-month challenge? If you have a desire to honour God to your finances, why don't you take the 10-month challenge? Start with 1%, try to get to 10. See what God does. See God move miraculously in your life. Why would you be fighting trying to build your own life? Even Scripture says, you, you put your money in your pockets, but there's holes in your pocket. Because you get there, where is it all gone? But with God, He says, He rebukes the devourer. Not only from the finances, but from the vine that's about to produce more. So you and I have got an awesome King. He owns everything. He says, you and I get to be stewards of it. One day we're going to stand before God. Hopefully we're going to get well done, good and faithful servant. You have been entrusted with much and you use it for my glory. You moved my kingdom forward. Many people will be saved. You made the most of your opportunity. You saw it as you drove in the street. You walked around. There was opportunity everywhere. And you used your time, your talent, and your treasure. The crazy thing is, since I've been tithing, since I've been serving, my life has never worked out. There were times when it wasn't working out. But my testimony is, when you serve God, it doesn't always add up. But at some point it multiplies. And I've got over addition. 
because I realise I serve the God of multiplication. And God has blessed me and, and has almost embarrassed me. I can't explain God's faithfulness. But here's the thing. Oh, there were many years where it was just putting Him first. Because I wasn't trying to give to get. I saw His generosity and I realised, why? Well, I get to honour you. It's the gravity in my life. And there were times where I just gave and I loved it. But then all of a sudden there were times where God just opened up the windows of heaven. There were times where I didn't feel the windows were open. But I always honoured Him first and He blessed the rest. There's, there's nothing like living for God. And once you start putting God first, I promise you it becomes your greatest joy. You can't wait to honour Him. Honours the gravity in the kingdom. You know, when we aren't honouring, we easily drift. We easily get pulled by the different winds of, you know what I mean, of, of theology and the different opinions and, and trends and, and, you know what I mean? But when we are honouring God, we're solid as a rock. We're building on a rock. When the storms come, what we built will stand and there'll be peace in our home. Scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So we need Him to build. The best way to do it is to partner with Him, to honor Him, to put Him first, to acknowledge that all comes from Him, and that actually you don't own every, anything, that He owns it all. The amazing thing is, once you understand He owns it all, you realize that you and I don't give to God. We just bring back what's already His. Do you want to close your eyes? Maybe you trust in God. Maybe you feel challenged to be a better steward of your time. Maybe you feel challenged to be a better steward of your talent. Maybe you feel challenged to be a better steward of your treasure, your finances. I don't know where God's speaking, what He speaks to you about. But if you do want to step out in this area, God's not going to call you to something He won't help you with. Why don't you ask Him right now? Say, God, this is where I want to step out. This is where I want to grow. Please help me, God. The last thing I want to do is pray for anyone who needs to receive Jesus as their Savior. Scripture says, as we confess we're sinners, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. As we confess that He's the Son of God, and that God raised Him from the dead, that we'll be saved. Scripture says, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. Call in His name. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. If that's you, or maybe you need to come back to God, ask Him to be the Lord of your life. You, you know that you asked Him to save you, but He's not the leader of your life. You need to ask Him to be the Lord and leader of your life. If that's you and you say, include me in that prayer, just give me a wave quickly. So that's me, Andre. I need to come back to God. I need to ask Him to save me. I need to ask Him to forgive me. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just say, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Awesome. God bless you. Let's pray together. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession, 
and this belief. The Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed. I'll never be the same. Thank you for being the Lord of my life. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus thanks and praise. Can I ask everyone just to look at CJ? That door's not that heavy. He's actually just flexing. Um, but if you, if CJ's opened the door. We've got men and women, prayer counselors. If you prayed that prayer, your next step, we want to encourage you to actually tell somebody. You don't have to go there by yourself. Go there with a friend or family member. But we always encourage people to tell somebody and let them pray with you. We can help you take your next step. We've got, we've got view groups that are there for, uh, for people who've received Jesus and want to get their foundation solid, learn more about their walk with God. So I encourage you to go there. If you need any prayer, you can go there. If you are getting water baptized, you can ladies go to the ladies' toilets, gents to the gents. Um, if you want to get water baptized and, and you weren't ready, but you want to confess publicly what happened privately, you can, you can of course make your way there as well. We've got clothes for you. But water baptism is really um, the wedding ring of Christianity. Um, this ring tells you I'm married to Leanne, but what our, our covenant in our hearts before God and witnesses, that's what, uh, that's, how we got married and then we put this ring on to declare publicly what happened in our hearts. Water baptism declares that you've received Jesus as your Saviour and you're going public with your faith. Scripture says as we acknowledge Christ publicly, He acknowledges us before our Father in heaven. It's a powerful thing to go public with your faith and God honours it. And just like we can't bury you in sand, we can't bury you in the waters of baptism and we can bring you up and can declare the old is gone, but the new has come. We're gonna, so we're going to be out there celebrating. If you need prayer, you can go there. I encourage you to stand up. Um, I think that's it. God bless you guys. Cool.